0: You know, this is called a mutiny, right? I'm telling you. This is going to be great for the show. It's time a woman took control. Your usual fee? I don't know, Christina. Come on, think of the times he fumbled. The mistakes our listeners corrected.
1: The time he had Robert send an ovation to the show and only he
0: was mentioned? Uh huh. And the
1: time he shot you?
0: Not to mention the horrible dad jokes in the intro.
1: Yeah, they can be pretty bad.
2: Hey guys, hey guys, hey guys, listen to this. If you don't pay your exorcist, do you get repossessed? (sighs)
3: Huh?
2: Huh? Huh? What? Well,
1: that was easy.
4: Well, this is the guy who couldn't handle his pot brownies. (laughs) Calling dibs on running the show today.
0: (laughs) Hello, I'm Dr. Hector Garcia, and I took a left at the valley.
1: I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. i an atheist.
0: And now that we have someone running this gig that can actually enunciate... <laughs> Let's get into introductions of Left at the Valley crew. So, there was a man who had an idea. That idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people, see if they could become something more, if they could work together when the world needed them to fight the battles they couldn't. That is Left at the Valley family. Me? I live my life as terrified as the Hulk is of Thanos. Sadly, I can't just hide in my mind and let someone else control my body. Not that I haven't tried. And the woman who has been here the longest, Nancy, she who turned down S.H.I.E.L.D. when they offered her a job, she doesn't work for Nazis. Kirsten, my love, the woman with words to calm my PTSD-riddled mind like black widow calms the hulk she saves my life every day last but not least a man who looks better in a leather jacket than fury but has yet to pull off the eye patch
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so in the later half of this show we are going to be talking to Daryl Ray about renegotiating relationships, and I am so excited to talk to him about that because there's never enough talk about relationships. But first, let's get into chit-chat, which I control this time. Ha ha ha. <laughs> so, because I'm a nerd and I'm obsessed with Marvel, we're going to start this off by talking about Endgame, yes. which we I just saw last night. So- so amazing. And it is insane. But
1: before... Uh, I'm just going to stop okay. you right here.
0: No spoilers. You're not giving spoilers? No. Okay. None. There will be no spoilers because... Members of the audience,
1: you're safe. Do You have any idea what they're talking
2: about, Nancy?
0: I have no That's idea. That's okay. This is I for you. So. This is for nerds like us. <laughs> I actually successfully saw this movie without any spoilers, and it was amazing. Yes, it was. Like, if you can successfully see it without spoilers... It's a magical experience. Um, So I actually wanted to, what I wanted to talk about is the money this movie has made. It is insane. Yeah. It's just coming up to its second weekend and it's almost made $2 billion already.
2: It shows that as a species, we are always craving storytelling.
4: Oh my gosh! Yes.
2: We really, as a, it's really probably the most defining trait of our species.
4: Is this like a mm. uh, speaking for all the non-nerds <laughs> out there? Who, I, I know there must be at least one other person, and we're bonding at this moment. <laughs> is, is, is this like a post-apocalyptic no, movie, this,
2: or no? This is well, yes and no. I mean, it's uh, it's it's based on the. Uh, the, the, uh, the sp- What I call the spaghetti westerns of modern day times, which gotcha. is the superhero culture.
4: Oh, good. No, so. I'm, I'm happy to hear about it. So <coughs> I'm, yeah. I'll learn something, which should be great. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And not only is
1: it just that we crave storytelling, we crave that ending.
2: Did you guys notice yeah. this, this is going to be a big year for geeks? Yes, because um,
0: what year isn't big for
2: Geeks? No, 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 but think about it this way, okay? This year they are closing off the, the Marvel universe, right, with this movie and game. The Game of Thrones season is the last one. Yes. And it's gonna be also the last Star Wars as well. Yeah, All in the let same me clarify,
0: year. they're not ending the Marvel universe. No, no, it's but just I mean, the, this, the end of the space.
2: The, the arc. The, this arc story is yeah. closing yes. off. So it's a big year for Geeks this year.
4: Very you know, does that mean that some of these movies are gonna go on to be um Video game, Not video games. Oh, most likely. They're oh. going to go on to do that. and Oh, I
0: hope so. Yeah. Well, there are already video games of the Marvel Universe. There's that a I lot of them. And and have played. And they're amazing.
2: <laughs> and you have to point out that this is also, this is the first time in the history of movie cinemas, this is 10 years in the making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it spans 20 movies that tells one continuous... Actually, 22. 22. 22? Okay. 22. It tells one kind of continuous stories it brings it all together and mm-hmm. it closes it off rather nicely too
4: and so when when did you start t- watching from the beginning oh yeah
2: actually yeah from the very beginning so, myself. And so
4: you, everybody's from the beginning yep, yep. I'm, I'm the only one that's sitting well, there I mean, going uh they've
2: obviously bla- based uh, the character of Black Widow after you well exactly okay. you know she's just a younger exactly. version of you but you know well I,
0: that's why they tried to recruit you <laughs> they were like
4: that's right Somebody need to, the original somebody was, needed
2: to teach Scarlett Johansson exactly. of you exactly
4: <laughs> <laughs> so, I w- so I was the inspiration that makes me feel alive.
2: yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. except you die oh. that's the problem she dies oh sorry
0: no um, so much for no spoilers
4: spoilers Kevin
0: sorry 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 um, you have to edit that out <laughs> and then you have to leave in this of us being like spoilers motherfucker
1: dear <laughs> <laughs>
2: audience members no, no, we apologize it. just beep it okay I'll beep <laughs> it just <I'll> beep <laughs> it I'll beep it
0: cause nope. god damn sorry I swear a lot guys when I'm in control.
4: So the overall consensus was you liked it. Yes. I did. I
0: I don't know how...
2: It was good storytelling.
0: Wh- like in the future, how this movie will be looked back on. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many biased emotions going into it. Because everyone seeing it, well, hopefully everyone seeing it, has seen Infinity War. So we're all going into it being like, we need this release of our... Collective trauma?
2: <laughs> it, it was... It was um, It was also very emotional. Like, there very was a, emotional. I, I, in the movie theater, when I watched it, I could see a lot of people actually brought to tears. Oh, I
4: cried. Like, yeah? yeah. Multiple times. There's <laughs> a
2: lot of emotional moments. It's like, Well, wow. for
4: 20 years, if you're attached...
2: You get attached to the characters, You yeah. get
4: attached mm-hmm. to the characters and the story arc. It becomes part of your life. You fantasize... Multiple endings and what would you do in their place? Well, are invested. That's where fan fiction comes in. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> well, it's... It's, an, it's an investment like any other series, yeah. either on television mm-hmm. or in, in the movies. Exactly. And, and that's that's exactly what the creators and producers want. Yeah, you know that that type. And of and I definitely
0: I definitely think that. With so many things are going wrong in our own world that we use that as a an form of escape. Oh, design. absolutely,
2: absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah,
0: And speaking of all the things going wrong in our world, my next story, Republican Steve King, oh, genius geez. man, at a town hall meeting he had, he said that he chooses to look at the other good side of climate change instead of focusing on global warming.
2: The other good side of climate yeah, change. Yeah,
0: and he, he said yeah. that surely there is something on the other side that could be good. 70% of the Earth is covered by water. If the Earth warms, then there is evaporation that goes into the atmosphere. <laughs> According to Newton's first law of physics, oh. what goes up must come down. Oh. That means it will rain more and more places. That's, it might rain harder in some places. It might snow in some of those places. Oh. But it's surely gotta shrink the deserts and expand the green growth. Oh my there's God! There's surely this, got to be some
4: good in that. These That's people not, are England. I just look at the other good side. That's yeah, not I mean, how that works. I know. Well, it's at like, like, all. I know. I mean, it's the Republican. In Charlottesville, there were good people on both exactly, sides. Exactly, exactly. This is just following the big spin.
2: But it's like, it's yeah. like these people imagine that because there's climate change and global warming, do you think that all of a sudden everybody's going to turn into Hawaii? Yeah. Well, Everywhere's going to become Hawaii all of a sudden. There's going to be no consequences except it's going it to yeah. get a bit warmer. But like, the issue off.
0: is the, the very basis of his comments are false because when the climate warms and the biomes change... Deserts Expand. Mm -hmm. They don't shrink because where it's raining more, it used to get cold. It's not raining in the deserts. The deserts are getting hotter. Yes. And the places that were cold, the tundras, they're disappearing.
2: Well, you know. Yeah. Science, bitch. You know, need to learn it.
0: I know. And it's insane and frustrating because there are so many things that this impacts that so many people just take for granted. Yeah. And... Onto, like this actually rolls into my next like story I wanted syrup. to talk about is maple syrup a staple of Canadian life
1: you yes. don't have maple syrup in your blood in your veins are you really Canadian
0: <laughs> because like I mentioned those warming tundras are making it so the maple syrup production is getting decimated yes because to it, to get this sap that turns into maple syrup and
2: it bothers me you
0: need very specific temperature like um, it's a uh, hot, above freezing hot but above for canadians that's hot above freezing you need above freezing temperatures during the day Mm -hmm. but at night you need it to go below freezing and that's
4: not happening So the tree, very the much tree releases the water. So what's the good side of that? That the, the artificial uh, maple syrup made by Aunt no, Jemima. No, no, no. no the, the, those no. corporate people now rise yeah. to the top. Oh, goody. We now get to eat chemicals. Yeah. See, there is a good side.
0: And uh. in, in 2012, the production in Ontario dropped by 54%.
2: Huh. Well, I, I, I'm curious about the production in Quebec, because most of it is actually in Quebec. But, so I'm really yeah. curious about that. But I, but you, um, you might not have it.
0: Worldwide, or not worldwide, Canada-wide, it was 12.5% that That's year. That's
2: huge. That's a huge drop. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, as a personal thing here, on uh, Jemima... You know, when, 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 our, when our parents tried to push that on us, we mm-hmm. used to call it, uh, in French, we'd say, say sirot poteau. sirop <laughs> is for syrup, obviously. And poteau is essentially a pole. So it's translated, <laughs> as like a pole syrup. Oh my Because gosh. we we'd say it was a syrup that was drained from like telephone poles and oh shit like that, right? <laughs> so it wasn't from I, maple trees uh, and we hated this stuff.
0: I sadly grew up. Oh. On Aunt Jemima. Let's see what happened. I do not. No, but the first time I had real maple syrup, oh. literally, it was like a coming of age moment. If, you, for if a you're Canadian, <laughs>
2: if you're one of our American listeners, forget Aunt Jemima, forget whatever you got. Just yeah. spend the extra money, get some real maple oh, syrup, amazing. put that on your pancakes. You yep. will thank us.
4: Absolutely.
2: Uh, did you know? Also, in the uh, funny thing is, in Japan. Uh, you can maple syrup is a luxury item, and they, Seriously? oh yes, yeah. and they pay through the nose for it, and they really? love it.
4: They really? absolutely love it's it. It's amazing.
2: It is. It is. Even here, it's, yeah. it's fairly. It's an expensive product. Uh-huh. Uh, you can get a good, but worth it. Oh yeah.
4: But
0: the sad thing is, it's going to just be more expensive as it starts. Like there, I was reading, and there was one year where they they had like three weeks of production.
2: Yeah. Because
0: it's just the the temperature is changing
2: i have very fond memories as a child of going out with the horse drawn carriage
3: mm-hmm.
2: on on a, on a cabana circus we used to call it and then he'd give us one of those little cans and there's the big boiler where the the, the syrup is and you just dip it in mm-hmm. and then seal the can and you leave and you go home with your can of maple syrup it's fantastic <laughs> yes
0: stuff. canada fantastic is a mythical
4: like <laughs> so put
1: the do. syrup on the snow yeah, roll yeah. it up with a stick eat it
4: the only rival, I guess, is Vermont syrup, which is close, I, I guess. It just well, kind of depends on your taste buds mm-hmm. and which side of the border you yeah, live on.
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, besides, if you go past Vermont, you don't really have any maple production in the States whatsoever. No. Yeah. So, I mean, we love our maple so much, we got it on a freaking flag.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> so. it's such a staple of Canada. Exactly. Yeah. And, sadly, but this, this news doesn't get better because another uh, horrible effect of climate change is um the national snow and ice data center this month released their ice sea ice update and the in the arctic ocean 1.2 percent of the ice is older than four years Ooh, 35 years ago it was one third yeah true yeah and so the issue with this is that the ice that is newer, it breaks up easier in storms, it melts faster, and so it disappears faster. So they're actually predicting that by the mid 2030s, there's gonna be no summer ice
4: in the Arctic. Mm. Yeah, and but it, you know, that climate change thing. isn't real. No, no, that's just. No, well, I, I, you get back to so many of the discussions that we've that we've had and other shows like us have had as well. Is that the facts don't matter yeah. Yeah. when you have a climate denier? It doesn't really, and and that's that's really the the sad and horrible part of it is that when people totally ignore the facts and go with faith or go with whatever. Um, uh, Cognitive um, bias, yeah, right whatever th- th- kinds of of things that that people want to believe. At that point, society just th- takes a little nosedive because yeah. you've got a lot of people who are standing in the way of real progress, dealing with these kinds of problems. Seems
2: these deniers are not gonna face facts until their air conditioning fails. Yeah, well, you well, know, no, it really seems it's like I, it's not affecting me right now. I don't give a fuck. The no.
0: the interesting I mean, thing that I've noticed is that a lot of the people who deny climate change are older well they're they're not the people that's because
2: they don't want they don't want to change their lifestyle
0: and they're not the people that are actually going to live with the ramifications that's true like i am going to be alive hopefully in 2030 and there are some old people who won't due to old age and i'm going to be alive hopefully in 2050 and 2060 and I don't really want to have to fight in the water wars, because <laughs> like I would love to live in a prosperous world.
2: Well, a lot of it, a lot of it is boils down to exactly that. It's like it's 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 really being selfish, you know. Somebody who's a climate change denier is also the kind of guy who doesn't want to give up his big yeah pickup. totally. He, he doesn't want to face the possibility he might have to change his life, yeah.
0: and and the and the realization that everything he's been doing up till now. Has been detrimental to yeah. the world. Yeah, and, that and he he's care. the problem. <laughs>
2: he, yeah, a lot of it stands to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well.
0: That is all I have today to depress to, to you all. <laughs> so
2: let. Not sure I like her taking over the show. It's kind of depressing from the start here. What the
0: yeah, that's okay. Oh, <laughs> I'll cheer you all up. All right. Um, next we're gonna go to Nancy for top ten. Good, I'll, I'll
4: brighten everybody. Yes, that's what we have. I, <laughs> I really will. So this is so frivolous. It's not really top ten, but what the heck, we can call a top ten because it's mine and I get a chance to do that. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I got to, I got to, I was hungry, and I didn't know what the heck I wanted to eat. I had, I wanted something. So I also had to do the top 10, and so I started looking through different food lists and things like that. And by accident, I actually ran into a couple of lists that had, what was the favorite dessert the year you were born? Ooh. So I thought, whoa, whoa. Well, I go back to probably when people sat around the campfire and had dandelion crickets, you know, for their (laughs) desserts because, you know, that's all that was available. But I thought, no, that would be kind of fun because I wondered if you're born in a certain year and there's a dessert that was famous, does that dessert determine... Your likes and dislikes of sweet stuff hmm. the rest of your life? I mean, I had to, you know, think yeah. of something. Okay. So anyway, so let's start. We'll start with Kevin since, Since you all. The yeah, we'll start with Kevin. And <laughs> tell me the range. Tell me within three or four years, and then we'll get to specifics. Well, oh, you want the year of my birth? Yeah, the year of your birth, and just kind yeah. of. You yeah, know.
2: no problem mentioning that. Like I, like, like I said many times before, I was born on the seventh day of the fourth month, 74, at 747. And that's actually true.
4: Okay. So you're within the range of. 1973 to 1977, your dessert is carrot cake. Oh. So Ew. how do you feel about carrot cake?
2: Actually, the, as a kid, I did not like carrot cake. Because
4: it's gross. That's not
2: surprising. Uh, but not today, I am complete the other way around. I love carrot cake.
4: Really? It's fantastic. Huh. Especially
2: when you got a nice icing on top there. Oh, yeah.
4: Is it the Great icing stuff. that you like or the carrots or the spices? What about that?
1: Or the mix.
2: Um, mix? As far as, uh, yeah, as far as carrot cake is concerned, I'm usually more of a sponge guy. I prefer the sponge yeah. on cake. But carrot cake, I think it's the mix.
4: Well, would it, would it, would you consider it a, one of the top three favorites or just it's okay?
2: No, it's great. Is it one of the top three of my favorites? No. Oh, okay. But, you know, it's it's absolutely, I yeah, I've got no problem having carrot cake at all. It's, it's great stuff. Yeah,
4: well, the interesting thing about carrot cake during that time was that the the reason it was popular then was because it was sort of uh health conscious with the carrots. <laughs> and it, okay. so people could say, Oh, okay, it's a little lighter. It's a lighter cake, it's not chocolate, and it was you know, so there's veggies in it, it had to be so, so really? that part it's, of the health it's, consciousness. It's practically a salad. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's like, yeah exactly. It's like
2: saying, Hey, you know, I'm drinking wine <laughs> you know, it's way better than drinking
4: pop. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the interesting thing about that, Christina, is if you actually go to the year nineteen seventy four, the mm-hmm. most popular, one of the most popular recipes at that point was Watergate salad, which was a what? salad that's sort of a fruit, Watergate salad? fluffy. They Watergate, it salad. Watergate <laughs> salad. It was. It was. Um, it originated at the Watergate Hotel. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it not. It didn't have anything to sense. do with Nixon, but it had to so, do with the so Watergate.
2: When you ordered a salad, you have to go. I am not a crook.
4: That's right. <laughs> that's right. Which is funny. So, you know, we went from the carrot cake to the salad. So in a way. There we go. It's stretching it, but <laughs> I'll do anything to make a connection. Right. Okay. So, Christina and Kirsten. You have birthday? We do. Which
1: We're was? only two weeks apart.
4: 95. 95. Okay. Can anyone guess which one's like older? Your, it's
2: almost like your lives are <laughs> intertwined.
4: Yeah. You, it's kind of I'm, cute, isn't it? Yeah, that's what happens when you live. Okay, close so this to each is. Other. Okay, Out so you beneath. both within the range of 1993 to 1997, you guys fall into the molten chocolate lava cake.
3: Oh, I, hate
4: that oh, I can see by your faces. That I don't do f- chocolate. That's not
1: my favorite kind of cake. What this? What, you don't do chocolate? What's I wrong don't with you? Enjoy
4: there is a reason.
0: Chocolate.
1: Okay, you have to share the reason. Okay.
0: So growing up
1: I'm gonna start building a catapult.
0: My dad worked at a chocolate factory.
2: Okay. Uh <laughs> at a
0: chocolate factory and it's molten chocolate but that's he would okay. bring home all the slightly misshapen chocolate. <laughs> um so he would bring home boxes and
4: boxes of chocolate. So I had a lot of chocolate growing so up. So
2: you're you chocolate it out is yeah, what
4: yeah you're basically. Okay. So I think that's really fun because right away you got the connection it's not a positive one but there's a reason <laughs> why that why that and was there so I'm like, a huge uh, fan
2: of chocolate but molten chocolate cake does not appeal to me either it's,
4: it's just, just too too much I mean, too, too, it's much. too yeah, much it's just too much you know
2: much. often I'll ask like I uh, my big flaw I do have a huge sweet tooth but even when you go to a, d- a place today and you order a dessert it's like you have, I don't know, You piece of chocolate cake, and then you'll say, okay, oh, you put a bit of whipped cream. Great. And then they'll put a chocolate drizzle on top, and then some powdered sugar. It's like, that's too much.
1: That's too much. It's just like, like whipped cream. Yes, yes. Sometimes less is more. The
2: cake is enough as it is. Uh, whipped cream, sure, but I mean, drizzle and then powdered sugar, and what else?
4: No, I, I like just, Black Forest would
2: cake. Would put some crack on top while you Black
4: add Black Forest cake is amazing. No, you become diabetic just by looking yeah, at it. Exactly. Yeah, that's wild. And you,
2: oh. you're talking to a guy who's got a huge
1: sweet tooth on top of that, so. Yeah.
4: Uh, Actually, no, I got to say,
1: coffee cake is one of my favorites. Uh,
4: well, no, now you true. can you can make those molten things those in the, that you can make in a mug, uh-huh. so you can do it like in two minutes, and it's still too sweet. Yeah. It has it hasn't improved in in the in the changes. Can, can
2: you give us a couple of ranges because you only got two of us? So uh, can you give us a couple of ranges? Well, we we'll go back desserts? to nineteen
4: ninety. Well, go back to specifically nineteen ninety five because that was the range. So the specific nineteen ninety five, believe it or not, was an eclair. Eclair cake, which oh, still has I love eclairs. A, a, so an eclair cake has more of a custardy. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. A yeah. proper
2: eclair has custard. Yeah.
4: Yes. yeah. So if, how do you guys? Tim Hortons doesn't.
2: Yeah. If you get if you get like a Long John with like some kind of icing, cream, <laughs> white granulate stuff in it. No, that's that's horrible. Toss that out. Mm-hmm. So
4: that's kind of a spongy review you're talking mm-hmm. about. No, it's a, a, a proper
2: eclair is supposed to be kind of flaky. Flaky. A proper French eclair is supposed to be I've nice never
4: had one
0: then.
2: Then prop- you don't know what French you A
0: proper French eclair. Look, well, yeah.
2: Kevin,
1: you'll just have to change that.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, you don't want my cooking. But, you know, if, you, I was I know.
1: meaning you can buy
2: them. Well, not around here. <laughs> I can't, I can't, really, I can't you, seem to find a good one You right can
0: fly to, to, to Quebec.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: Buy them. And fly back.
2: Of course, and I will send you and my. And take bin.
0: all of us <laughs> with you.
2: You know, if I could, I totally would. I would, I would bring you guys back there, and you would have a gastronomic feast, of which you would never have the same again. Mm. So there's the,
4: there's the, there's the connection there. That's something that you haven't had that you can look forward to. Yeah. So altogether, I'd say we hit a hundred percent. There we go. There we go. Not a top ten, but it's a sweet spot of the mm-hmm. show.
2: Perfect. Perfect.
4: I like it.
0: So, now that she has wrapped up her wonderful segment, next we move to Kirsten (laughs) to do another. Oh, you say it first.
2: (laughs) This is great radio, by the way.
0: I know. No, 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 but you you say it, and then I finish it off.
1: Another brilliant moment.
0: Brought to you by religion!
1: (laughs) Okay, well, here's something you probably didn't know. A Kuwaiti scientist claims that homosexuality can be cured with suppository that kills semen-eating anal worms.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just sounds wonderful! <sighs> just wonderful.
2: This, this is this is must be some Islamic science, right?
1: It's something. <laughs> Goddamn
2: anal eating semen
1: semen eating, eating anal worms yeah, okay. yeah. oh my god every time I look at this all I can see is anal worms it pops out of the page and I just die <laughs> <laughs> so,
4: oh, I, the, I, I, I don't know whether I'd like to understand the mind that came up with that
2: this I is why aliens don't contact us. They if, read this and they say, fuck that shit. Yeah. I wonder, is
4: that, would that be a regular part of this person's conversation in a social setting or, or, or not?
2: I, I feel conflicted about this because it's a woman scientist, right? Yes, it is. Okay, so, so it's like you want to encourage
1: women scientists, especially in Islam, and then this, this And then this happens. Oh. So, the Jerusalem Re- Post reports that a kuwaiti scientist is being promoted on kuwaiti tv as having discovered a cure for homosexuality based on islamic medicine kill me now appearing on scope tv dr mariam al-sohal explains her novel theory i discovered therapeutic suppositories that curb the sexual urges of boys of the third gender as well as the fourth gender what? which is butch lesbians they have excessive sexual urges
3: what? Yeah,
2: well, you, you, in in the Islamic world, it seems that homosexual men are called the third gender, and homosexual women are called the fourth.
3: But
0: gender. only butch homosexual women. Oh, I guess so. Them. I, I guess they can't. Apparently, they, they, still. Yeah, women.
2: They, they can't. It's, they can't ex- see like.
0: Wow. Fem-
2: and feminist.
1: by the way, this is science, and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Oh.
0: You want to know what else is science? Gay people. <laughs> Uh
1: the sexual urge develops when a person is sexually attacked and afterward it persists because there is an anal worm that feeds on semen.
4: What? <laughs> oh, oh. Does does this woman
0: realize that not all gay men have anal sex? Clearly no. Like that that is a fact. Not all not all gay men have anal sex.
2: As a matter of fact, I remember seeing a stat that's uh the vast majority of them don't.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Like how oh, so now? So you now you so have a choice. You can go through. You can go through conversion therapy, which is not oh. scientific, mm-hmm. or the anal eat. Wait, the anal, it's a
1: suppository that kills the, 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 the semen eating anal. I war.
4: would take yeah. the suppository. I mean, it's it's wonderful to have a choice now. Yeah, to well, you to know, cure you
2: religious cures, oh. right, and what ails you. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so, what happens when she she says like uh, the fourth gender of uh, quote unquote butch looking females? How are they? Uh, how, how are they having uh, semen eating anal
1: worms? All the time? I have no idea. Yeah. But this continuing. So what I did was to produce suppositories, which are to be used by certain people at a certain time, and it cures those urges by exterminating the worms that feed on sperm. The ingredients are the same for both sexes, (laughs) but I made them in different colors. We start the patient on a balanced diet when the treatment begins. It is a balanced diet of bitter, sour, salty, and sweet foods in order to cleanse the body of poisons. Bitter, salty, and sweet foods. All all foods. Bitter, sour, sour, salty, and sweet foods. So all kinds of foods.
0: Yes. (laughs) Not spicy
1: though. (laughs) The diet for the third gender, the male ones, consists of foods that increase their masculinity and build muscle. Any food that is buried underground provides men with stability, oh, strengthens their yes. muscles, and increases their masculinity. Bitter foods increase masculinity.
4: What so happened with your so, potatoes? So I gather this is not like a do it yourself in the privacy of your own home. You actually have to go to this doctor's office and choose the. I'm a, I'm a yellow color, I'm a green color. and <laughs> oh, then she's probably go pink through and blue. The therapy?
1: It's guaranteed to be pink and blue. It's just weird (laughs) oh god okay
2: so uh, some
0: people don't have other people in their life that just say stop
2: yes don't do
0: it (laughs) oh Oh, yes
2: hold on there's got to be at some point there's got to be in that story at some point where she's gonna say this ties in exactly what the quran says right not
1: from what i saw no
2: But I imagine
1: it's in there somewhere. It's got to be in there somewhere. I looked at this and I was like, there's no way religion is not involved in this. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way it's not involved. Oh, God.
0: Well, I I find usually anyone who thinks that homosexuality is bad mm, is thinking that because of religion.
2: Usually, yeah. Don't leave your anal worms on my couch Mm
3: -hmm.
0: I'm not of the third gender. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not even of the fourth gender, apparently. <laughs>
2: Fifth or sixth or seventh gender.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. So, oh,
2: God.
0: Moving
1: on. What does 5G technology, artificial... Er, sorry. 5G technology, artificial intelligence, and more have to do with the Antichrist and the end times?
0: Everything. Um, The Antichrist is-, is a millennial?
2: The Antichrist no. uses Huawei. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Plenty, says pastor and author Mark Biltz.
3: Oh, boy. Of course.
1: Yes. As technology becomes more and more a part of our everyday lives, Biltz says we must consider theories about the Antichrist and emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence, Siri, Alexa, Watson, 5G, and more, which are creeping into our lives on a daily basis and changing our perspective on how things could possibly play out even in the next few years.
2: Is this guy saying that Alexa is the Antichrist?
0: I think so. Um, I think it would be Siri.
2: Yeah, she's kind of a bitch. I'd like to say that, you know the Google Play, say Satan, play this.
0: <laughs> um excuse me, his name is Lucifer.
1: Lucifer. <laughs> Luce Lucy Play Highway to Hell with ACDC. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and as the technology race continues It is no longer difficult to imagine the Antichrist as some kind of hybrid human cyborg able to project himself (laughs) all over the world at one time as a hologram that demands to be worshipped, he added. The Terminator. (laughs) With all the advances in technology, the ability to produce avatars, holograms, and computer software installed into our bodies so our thoughts and emotions, as well as our purchases and our movements, can be monitored, there is no doubt that we are the culmination of one age and entering the threshold of another. (laughs) <laughs> wow. So, the Antichrist is a cyborg. All right. I
3: mean, well,
0: the, the mental that's all stretches that these people... Can you imagine living, like, getting a glimpse of the reality these people live in? Like, wow. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I was religious when I was younger, I guess. I was a bit of a believer, but... Even to the stretches of the imagination these people go through, it's like, holy crap. They, even, even for... Like, I can recall for younger me thinking that would be just crazy. And it's like no, nobody goes that far. But then again, I do recall reading some magazine articles about say, saying stuff about the end of the world and the mark of the beast.
0: Oh, it was going to be the, the the square thing. The no, square they thing they, was going to be the mark of the beast. They
2: used to say they used to say that uh, the mark yeah the mark of the beast would you would only if you had the mark of the beast then only with that would you be able to trade. Yeah, so things. when they started talking about bringing debit cards at the time it really
0: was debit cards for you?
2: well at the time that I read the article as soon as they started bringing technology into banking uh, then they started panicking that that was going to be the mark of (laughs) the beast and then they started talking about doing some experiments with implanting people with microchips
0: so, so they just have to, like, scan. You
2: could just scan oh, your hand or something so like that easy. to access your your money. Then Oh, my God, that was the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, every time they just bring it back up. Because the story is so vague
4: mm-hmm. totally. that
2: anything can be portrayed as that.
4: And there's always a certain percentage of the population that's going to support it.
2: Yeah, and the and the antichrist is exactly that that kind of that kind of trope, right? It, it is such a vague character, mm-hmm. you know. It could be absolutely anything. It could yep. be, you know, a president gone rogue, or a dictator, or a cyborg, yep. or whatever, right? I
0: think
4: a president gone rogue
0: is a dictator.
4: I mean, the broader <laughs> the broader you make that concept, the more people are going to believe it. Yes, the, the more narrow it is, you know, people are. Going Say no, no, not quite. But boy, it just expand. It could be this, that, or the other. This
2: is this is why you know a lot of times we talk about the end of the world, and they talk about uh, yeah, the apocalypse is coming. It's been coming for two thousand years now, apparently. But you know, as soon as they get specific. They fail miserably. Yep,
3: totally. Exactly. Exactly.
2: You know, so they kind of keep it as vague as possible. And yep. this is where the charlatan also resides, because they know that people believe it's happening at some point, but then he tries to put a bit of specificity in it, and make yep. can buck off it at the same time. Yeah. So, yep. Interesting.
0: Yep. Well, we shall head into our second half to talk to Daryl Ray. And we are excited.
2: <laughs> we'll be right back. We're woo-free since 2013. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker under Brainstorm, or check out our website, brainstormblog.net. I can't promise you'll always agree with us, but I can promise you'll have fun listening to us.
4: Three, two, Hi, I'm the Supreme
2: Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism humanism and skepticism topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy we often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour previous guests include biologist jerry Coyne,
4: ex-muslim author ali rizvi philosopher peter bogosian and the late physicist victor stanger you can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio
2: version through your favorite podcatcher, such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason
5: Facebook page.
3: Bible, the Old Testament,
2: which in Genesis is an account of nature. That's, that's what that is. And I said to you, give me your description of the natural world based only on this. You would say the world was created in six days and that stars are just little points of light, much lesser than the sun. In fact, they can fall out of the sky, right? Because that's what happens during Revelation. To even write that means you don't know what those things are. You have no concept of what the actual universe is. So, everybody who tried to make proclamations about the physical universe based on Bible passages got the wrong answer.
0: Okay, and today we have our amazing guest, Daryl Ray. He is, we've actually had him on the most out of every guest, and there is a reason for that. We love him because he is so amazingly intelligent in so many different areas. And specifically, we brought him on today to talk about renegotiating relationships. And then we also wanna discuss some of the other things you do. Um, So to start off, um, for listeners who haven't been listening for a long time and listened to your previous episodes, would you be able to just give us an intro into who Dr. Daryl Ray is?
5: Well, thank you Christina. Always glad to be back on with you guys. Um yeah, I'm going to start off by saying I have my most recent accomplishment is that I am I think I'm a front runner if not a finalist in the, uh in the Naked Gardening contest <laughs> for for 2019 and if I win, I will get back on the show. But <laughs> anyway, I am a, I'm a psychologist. I've been psychologist for Gosh, close to 40 years of my adult life. I'm 39 and holding, obviously. <laughs> and I work primarily with organizations uh, right now. A couple organizations that are near and dear to my heart that I started, and that's Recovering from Religion. I'm the president of the board of that, and it, we are celebrating. I bet you guys didn't know this. We are Recovering from Religion is celebrating its 10th anniversary. Really? Oh, that's
1: fantastic.
5: April April was our 10th anniversary. That's As a so part of that 10th anniversary, we are um, – we're doing something we're, we're calling an excursion, which is kind of a, like a retreat in the beautiful hills of North Carolina where we will be having uh, quite a few people come from all over the country to talk about recovery issues and dealing with their own journey mm-hmm. for, for two and a half days. Anyway, I uh, run a recovering – I'm the board chair of the Recovery from Religion, and I started a secular therapy project, which we'll talk about later. And uh, I'm the author of several books. The most relevant to your audience is "The uh, God Virus: How Religion Infects Our Lives and Culture," mm-hmm. and the second book, The "Sex and God," <laughs> which ties into my naked gardening effect. Uh, <laughs> uh, "Sex and God: How Religion Distorts Our Sexuality," and uh, I mean I use that a lot in the book to show just how m- fucked up religion is yeah. with respect uh, to sexuality.
3: Yeah.
5: Are you going to bleep that out, Kevin?
0: No. Oh, God,
5: no. I'm not bleeping anything. Okay. Well, the only
0: thing you're bleeping out is the spoiler you dropped earlier for Endgame. (laughs) Oh, he made me mad.
5: Okay, does that answer your question, Christina?
0: It does. And thank you so much for sharing that. And hopefully, if any of our listeners want to listen to more, they can go read these books. Um, Yep. So, do we want to start by going into what is renegotiating relationships.
5: Sure. Okay. Okay. Well I think first of all we have to start off by recognizing that our culture our culture pushes a lot of Now if you start doing that kind of shit with me, Kevin, <laughs> I'll lose I'll lose the parody. You'll lose me totally and uh I'll laugh so hard you'll have to edit the whole thing out. It'll make your job a lot harder. I, I don't know what that was. It but was I, a
0: Donald Trump toilet brush.
5: Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, that's not what I thought I saw at first. Okay. I won't even tell you what I thought I saw. <laughs> Sorry. Let's get this back on track.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? This is perfectly on track for us.
5: It really
0: is, though. <sighs>
5: yeah. Okay. So let's begin with a go on any country music station, go on any pop music station and just listen to about three songs Mm -hmm. and two out of the three or three out of the three will have amazingly um, crazy assumptions about how relationships operate. And, and the big assumption is you are mine forever. That's the one you hear Mm -hmm. over and over again. And that when, when you decided that you weren't mine forever, it totally broke my heart, and it's all your fault. So, I mean, that's the second part. Now, mm-hmm. the first part, the first part you get in pop music. The second part you get in country music. Uh, you know what you get when you play a country music song backwards? Everything back. You get your dog back. You get the house back. Oh my you get
3: gosh!
5: Get back. <laughs> um, and that's only that's that's only partially true. But it really is. Uh, country music does focus on a different component of the love relationship. Now, I'm just talking statistically speaking. Mm -hmm. You know, on both pop side and countryside, you get both the full spectrum. But you do see this, you're mine forever, and I'm in love with you, and I can't live without you bullshit on on both sides. Now, when you start with the assumption of a relationship, in order to be successful, has to last a lifetime, you've basically set up 90 to 95% of all the people for failure. That's that's just the way it's going to work. Does that make sense? Definitely. All right, and I had I had four grandparents, two on each side. that were both married for over fifty years, and they were proud that they'd been married for fifty years. And they were four of the most miserable people I've ever known in my life. That sucks. And to mention the word sex would embarrass them or anger them. So there's some going on there, and that's that's why I wanted to talk about uh, this renegotiating relationships, mm. because it was it's pretty clear. That my grandparents could not renegotiate the relationship. It's like you signed a contract when you're nineteen, twenty, whatever how years old, however old you were when you got married, and that contract is locked in so tightly that that it can never be renegotiated. And the interesting thing about the the contract is many, many of the clauses are unwritten. I mean nobody sets down and writes No, I shouldn't say nobody. Very <laughs> people <deep. laughs> Very few people sit down and write a marriage contract. That here's here's the rules. Although I have met some people in the humanist in the in, in the humanist world that do that, and I love it. I think that's great. And and there's other areas like in the BDS world. You see relationship contracts, which is great. But most people on this planet never even heard of the notion of renegotiating their relationship.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And. And, and so we don't even have the skill – we don't even have the language, let alone the skills for it. If I went to some of my old – long-term married friends and said, them, have you guys renegotiated your relationship in the last five years? They'd look at me like I was from outer space. It doesn't compute with them. And I, I do know some people that would love to renegotiate their relationship, but their partner would have a cow if they did. I mean it's just like – and yet they're both miserable. They're They're both – now, I'm even I'm even assuming here the monogamy. I'm not even assuming anything but monogamy. So is that Christina, is that the way you're wanting to go? Um.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that because there there are so many people who don't even realize it's an option. Like because uh, for an example, in my own life, when Kirsten and I started dating and then got engaged, we we actually sat down and talked about if this doesn't work out we like we don't have to stick together because we're human and we're gonna evolve and change and some of those changes might bring us in different paths right if that happens right. we'll deal with it and we're not gonna like we'll we'll enter this relationship knowing that is a possibility right so we'll treasure every moment we have together And it it was interesting because my twin sister, when I told her about that, it was, it was, she couldn't even understand it. (laughs) Like, she was like, to be fair, my sister thinks marriage is only for having kids. So she's not exactly
3: (laughs) the best
0: gauge for relationships. But But it was interesting that there was a, it was like the concept of that one day you might not be with that person if you get married to them. It was like a foreign concept to her, even though marriage is statistically likely to end with divorce,
5: yeah, right,
0: and it's like, yeah, it might, but at least that divorce would be amicable, and you'd still be friends afterwards if you sat down like thinking, okay, we will change in the future,
5: right, well, it leads to it if you have these assumptions going into a relationship, whether it be it might not even be a marriage, it could be almost any kind of um um you know romantic relationship mm-hmm. if you go in with the assumption that it, when it ends that means it's a failure that's that's really a bad assumption it it's crazy actually yeah. it, it means that you're going to feel no matter how well you do in a relationship you're going to feel like you failed and what a stupid idea i have probably how many how many jobs do we have in our life a and lot. every time you leave a job or or get laid off from a job or anything That terminates your job. Do you feel like a failure? No, most of the time we don't. We realize, well, that job ended, or it. I don't like that job, or that was a terrible boss, or you know, whatever. I'm going on to the next job. You don't go out there and say, well, I'm a terrible life failure because I didn't. And and yet people go into our our relationships like that.
2: Doctor Ray, is it possible that people have a, um, a hard time negotiating relationship because we don't really see it as something romantic? I mean, negotiating is not really something that we see as you know spur of the moment, passionate romance or anything like that. It sounds more like clinical, you know, lawyers involved and stuff like that. <laughs> is it maybe that's why people have have a kind of like a reticence to actually explore that option?
5: I, I think I think there's something to that. Again, back to the pop music uh, piece. Music, our culture is very, very focused on the first four to five years of a relationship. It doesn't even no, – have you ever heard a song – how many songs have you heard that that say, yeah, we've been together for 25 years and we still love each other? You, know, you will hear one of those every now and then on country music because mm-hmm. country music does acknowledge that piece. Yes. But pop music never seems to acknowledge.
2: Yeah, but that yeah. usually deals with a pickup truck. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah and, and, and i don't want to just hit on those two because you can go to opera Opera's even worse many and i'm an opera lover i love it but opera's even worse you never get a sense about what a relationship should look like after four or five years so when people sign the contract and by that i mean they go through the wedding ceremony and they make these public vows that's as much as signing anything they're not thinking five years ten years down the line because they're in what we now know of is new relationship energy. Mm-hmm. And it's that it's that flood of, of endorphins that people get that are it, – it, they're drug addicts. When people take their vows at a wedding ceremony after having been engaged for a year or six months or whatever it is, they are still high on each other's drugs. You create a drug in me. I create a drug in you. And we are high on those drugs. After about <clears throat> somewhere between three and five years – the drug stops being produced. We stop We stop stimulating that in one another. Well, um, that is that is the way our biology is put together. So at the end of that time, we're not going to feel, oh, I'm so in love with you forever and ever and ever, and mm-hmm. you can do no wrong and all that. No, you left the toothpaste <laughs> lid off the toothpaste again, and it finally pissed me off. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Your socks are still in the middle of the living room. Uh, or you're texting your friend, during our conversation, you know, there's any number of things that start coming together mm-hmm. and if you can't identify with at least one of those. I'm sure I could come up with 72 others. And we have to then sit down and say, wait a minute, we're at the end of the first phase of our relationship. And if we start as human beings, start acknowledging our biology and say most relationships are kick ass wonderful for three to five years. Most don't even last that long, of course. But if they do, three to five years is their limit. Then now let's talk about what do we do next? And I think it's perfectly fine to say, well, let's change the nature of our sexual relationship or change the nature of our social relationship or whatever. The problem is when you get kids.
0: Yeah. Uh, kids are not more
5: problems. <laughs> yeah. And I've got two great kids. Um, I'm thrilled that I got my kids. And I'm still good friends with my first wife. We were married for 17 years. I have two great kids. I do not consider that 17-year marriage a failure. I do that's not consider awesome. that at all. It was a, it was a, a massive success it, on many, many fronts. Now we didn't perform as well as a couple in some areas, as we've performed in other areas. But that's true of almost any endeavor mm-hmm. in life. You know, you got a job. You may be the best in one area of the job and not the best in the yeah. other. But we we still like each other. We still can talk to each other. And and. This is kind of in direct response to what you, you said a little bit earlier, Christina.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: We – we when we got divorced, we said we're not going to hire a bunch of lawyers. We're going to go find a mediator, a marriage, a divorce mediator, and we're going to go through a series of meetings with the mediator and put a document together. It took us I think four or six – four meetings I think to finalize the document, and the the mediator sat down with us and said – Okay, I'm I'm starting my watch, and he, he looked at his watch and said, "I'm going to give you five minutes. Yell at each other all you want. Because when we finish, finish yelling, then we'll get down to business." And she and I looked at each other and said, "We've already done all the yelling we need, so we'll get off that." <laughs> I mean, it was really bright on his part. I I really mm-hmm. thought that was that was just brilliant. But the fact is, why do we need to yell at each other at all? If if we're acknowledging where we both are ready for the third phase. We got through the first phase and then and the second phase started when we had kids. We got through the second phase as far as we could go and we are both ready to move on to a third phase in our life. Mm-hmm. And what's wrong with renegotiating? In fact, what that what that divorce settlement was was a renegotiation of the relationship because mm-hmm. we we still had kids to raise. Mm-hmm. My kids were not ready to leave the home yet. They were 8 and 12 years old when we got divorced. So if you think about it, that mediation was a simply a renegotiation of a relationship. You can't divorce the mother or father of your children. Yeah, They're going to be the mother or father of your children for most people for the rest of your life. So you might as well renegotiate the relationship. We're not going to have sex together. We're not going to be married anymore. But we're still going to cooperate. We're not going to speak badly behind each other's backs. You know, those are the kinds of things. And we were very explicit about that in our, in our agreement. So so that's actually the worst case scenario in in terms of getting divorced. But I think what you're asking about is how do we renegotiate without going through the breakup? Yeah, is that what you're asking?, so uh, i I see several there's there's a lot of ways to do it. you You could go to a counselor, a marriage counselor, and you could sit down with that marriage counselor, oh, and be sure you find the marriage counselor through the secular therapy project mm-hmm. or, or or get a good secular therapist who's mm-hmm. who's open to alternative, relationship styles if you got a therapist that's hung up on traditional monogamy they probably they shouldn't be counseling couples and i'm telling you a hell of a lot of therapists out there are hung up on monogamy they think i've had therapists tell me that we're a monogamous species (laughs) fucking no no (laughs) evidence for that anywhere we're we're anything but a monogamous species
3: Mm -hmm.
5: so what we're trying to do is try and say well what how can we Again, it's our only body we're going to get. It's the only life we're going to get. So, how can we negotiate a relationship with another human being that's gratifying for both of us, supports both of our, both of our desires and needs, and uh, and but doesn't put us into a a, a straitjacket, a relationship straitjacket. And the way to do that is to go to a therapist and say, we we're having some difficulties in X, Y, or Z area. And we think we need to renegotiate our relationship. Would you help us do that? And a therapist worth their salt can help you renegotiate. And what they would probably do, and I'm not saying every therapist would do it the way Daryl did, but what they would probably do is they'd try to get some kind of uh, assessment of where you are as a couple, where you are as individuals, how those goals are interacting or not interacting, and then try to help you they wouldn't come up with a plan they'll help you come up with a methodology for uh, moving forward and that may mean that okay we're gonna we're gonna change this instead of spending so damn much time well on the kids we're gonna renegotiate so that we have one hot date per week and at that hot date she can suggest what that'll be one week and i can suggest what'll be the next week or something you know you can start structuring it a little bit i'm not big on structuring but some people are and that might work so what i'm telling you is that therapists can help you get away from the the anger the frustration the sense of betrayal sense of loss uh, by helping you see where you are in the life cycle helping you understand how to renegotiate uh desires and and Stuff like that. I've seen many couples. One of the biggest problems I see is the um, when when a couple hits that second stage or, or goes through this third in, into the third stage, they don't want to get divorced, but they want to open the marriage up. And I see a lot of couples wanting to open their marriage up somewhere around uh, fifteen to twenty years. You know, I've been married fifteen to twenty years, and they say, you know, I'd like to open the marriage up. You can have a boyfriend, I can have a girlfriend, or or whatever, and we we'll, we can negotiate. That's another thing. You can go to a poly-friendly or alternative relationship styles therapist, and they can help you figure out is this right for you. Mm-hmm. Because let me warn you, uh, polyamory and swinging are not solutions for marital problems. Mm-hmm. They they are not the way to treat a marital problem. However, that may be the outcome of you renegotiating your um, your relationship, realizing wow, we we have a lot more energy. And, and and we'd like to use that energy in other ways. And it's mm-hmm. not a slam against your partner or your spouse. That's just the way we're wired as, mm-hmm. as
0: I I could see someone coming into this third stage and wanting to, like, thinking of, okay, do we open up the relationship? I could see if they hadn't set the groundwork in the first two stages that trying to do that could be very hard. So oh, so this, what what are some things that you could you could foster in the first two stages that would that would help that transition be easier?
5: Well, I think you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier, Christina, and that is if you if you put the understanding down before you even get married.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Like you did, kind of negotiate
3: yeah.
5: that we were going to give ourselves the option of negotiating, negotiating to be to keep yeah. the negotiation option open. I think that's brilliant and uh, hats off to you and gosh, you're now my poster child for new negotiations. <laughs> uh, so – but the problem is so many people get married and they've been married 15, 20 years and, and they did not put that groundwork mm-hmm. to the relationship. So I, I I think that's what you're asking me, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
5: <clears throat> well, I think there's several things – several ways to do it. Um, I actually had that in mind when I wrote my book, Sex and God. And so what I what I did was, when I was writing the last five chapters of the book, and yes, this is an advertisement for the book, but it's also an advertisement <laughs> for the answer to your question. I think that's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, when I was writing those last five chapters, I, I went back and I really tried to, um, I tried to um, um, shape those chapters in a way that a couple, two people, could sit down and read those chapters together. And it would and it would force them to ask questions about their sexuality and about their the nature and role of sex in their relationship, mm-hmm. and just ask a lot of questions. Those last five chapters. So actually, Christina, what I oftentimes do is I say, "Go read the last five chapters <laughs> of my book," but read it but read it together, mm-hmm. the the partners. You know, I don't care what, what relationship. Um, methodology you carry. But I do yeah. think that if you read them together and then every chapter, you're going to sit down and say, wow, I hadn't thought about that. Or man, I had that thought and I was afraid to talk about it. So those are the kinds of things that can happen when you just read something together. I encourage people to go read, um, the ethical slut together. Yes. To.
0: Such a good book.
5: Yeah. Or, or opening up or loving more, or, you know, there's, um, more than one or, uh, there's more than two. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's a number of really good books. And, and most of those are all poly polyamory-focused. Yep. However, I, I'm not pushing that. I, I don't care if you're poly or not. But what those books do, it, why I love the poly community so much is poly community really forces you to ask some questions about yourself. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Sounds like a very knowing, yep. <laughs> <laughs> not going to ask any more questions, but I'm guessing.
2: <laughs> well, the poly community, just want to specify here, we're talking about polyester, right? <laughs> no, no, not, I missed the conversation here.
5: Yeah, as long as you don't mix that with cotton fabrics. That's, oh, yes, uh, <laughs> that's,
2: that's in the Ten Commandments, is it? Thou shalt not mix fabrics or whatever. Something like that. We're all that's
0: right. about straight right, so polyester let, fabrics. Yeah,
5: let, let's leave Kevin in his his uh, his uh, yeah. midi world here, and Christina, you and I'll hit it off. Just oh, wait,
0: I'll go I, back to sleep. Yeah, hit you with Kevin, another Kevin hasn't
5: joined the twenty first century yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. yeah I do I do
2: have a question though, a serious one uh, what happens then when you have a partner that, let's say stage three, like you put, put in your example, and one who is not in that stage, because right now the conversation has been edging on both partners are agreeing to move on to some right. kind or another, right. but yeah. that, I don't think that really happens
5: up to a lot of couples you're right, it doesn't, and that's why I say when you're hitting rough spots as a couple it it almost never is because one person is the bad guy and the other person is the good guy that's you know 9 times out of 10 that's not the problem mm-hmm. it's it's just that you've your your desires energy levels interests have diverged in some way it doesn't mean you have to get divorced but it does mean you have to go find somebody that can help you identify and negotiate these things cuz I'll tell you we are the fucking worst at evaluating ourselves (laughs) and we're even worse at evaluating our our own relationships we need an objective third party out there to just ask the right questions and force us to talk so going back to what you're asking there and and i want to just say my 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 stages are just arbitrary i'm just using that as a way to help us understand where we're going if somebody is if, if you're hitting that rough spot the therapist can really help you figure out where to go However, you got to get in therapy in the first place.
4: Yeah. And you I, have to have a partner who's willing to renegotiate or even know what that is. And if you don't have a partner who's willing to go to therapy with you whether it happens to be poly or traditional or whatever, at that point what 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 does the person who wants to renegotiate do?
5: Right. Well, you cannot. You're right. You're absolutely right nancy that you can't force somebody but you can say you can and and i would not even say if you're pretty sure your partner's not interested in or would be shocked by uh, the notion of renegotiating don't use that term don't don't come don't come at him that's that's a bridge too far Mm -hmm. at this point just say i i'm feeling a lot of tension between us we're not getting along as well as we used to we're not spending as much time, our sex life has dropped down to once a month, missionary style, whether we need it or not. <laughs> you know. When you get down to that, you you've got some evidence that the relationship has has materially changed. And that's the evidence you can you can talk out loud with with your partner. Now it's scary. I'm I'm not saying it's not scary, but don't deny the evidence. You know, if if I got poison in my in my water or my food and I find out I've got poison, and I don't keep drinking it. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what you're doing. You ignore the obvious, and I'll tell you, couples are so damn good at ignoring the obvious. It's mm-hmm. it's just as a therapist, it's mind boggling sometimes. However, Daryl has avoided the obvious in his own relationships, so I've done it. I know how easy it is to just say, "Oh, that's not important," or all. wait till next year to deal with that or I don't want to talk about it because it's too scary to me and I've done all those things so I'm not I'm not perfect and I know how easy it is but once you've got the courage up talk to your partner say here's the evidence I've got that our relationship is not what you and I both thought it would be five years ago or 20 years ago let's go to a therapist now what a therapist will do is without even using the terms renegotiation the therapist will help you figure out what areas of your life need to be negotiated or renegotiated. And it may be within three or four sessions, you may come to the conclusion that there's areas, there are areas that we cannot renegotiate. Yeah. They're, they're non-negotiable for one party or the other, which I'm sorry, that's the way things go. But do you think waiting another five years is Mm going to make those things better? Probably not. Now I, I, I'm talking a lot here, Christina. So if you no, need to no, shut up. That that's just,
0: I'm I'm enjoying listening to everything you have to say. So oh, I am okay. just enjoying this. <laughs>
5: <laughs> okay, well, I I can go get off on my high horse. Here.
4: Well, <laughs> at least the, the therapy options in, you know in, in the 21st century as we we're talking to Kevin you were talking to Kevin before um are, are so much more realistic. Then in your generation or my generation, and I believe my generation is probably when you were talking about your somewhere between your parents and your and your grandparents, <laughs> where the expectation was that you were going to get married. There wasn't a really nice first husband for you. And, you know, you could always look forward to a second one, but you were bound to that marriage. You did try to make the best of it with the woman in many, many cases being told it's your husband's um, um, life that is the most important, and you need to be the more understanding one, regardless of whether it turns you into a bitter person or an unfulfilled one. And As it going, should be, goddamn. Yeah, exactly. And then going to therapy, <laughs> renegotiation was... I either have to stay stuck in this or I have to find a way to divorce. And either one brought such feelings of anxiety and guilt Mm -hmm. that it was difficult to move forward. But men, I think at this point... And you're the therapist, so you can tell me whether or not my my guess is right or wrong. I think many men are much more open to renegotiation or um, having a a, a relationship that is based perhaps on a a different premise that might work out better. Whereas with my generation, I don't think men were all that open. So you do have people, as you were saying at the beginning, Daryl, who... Just were miserable, but they thought that's what life was like. So it's now, it's good to be able to hear that there are options, but there are so many people who are still trapped in a yeah. traditional relationship and ha- don't have the resources or the partner to be able to do anything about it, and that's very sad.
5: I I think I think Nancy, you're on target there. There's the, there are huge generational cha- um, generational differences. However, I still see even even. In the youngest generations, let—I mean—that are relationship, long-term relationship um, age, let's say at least in their twenties, mm-hmm. the I—I I think they still. I mean, these messages are all over the internet. They're they're all over the pop pop culture and pop yeah. music, and country music. So it's not like they're not getting the same messages we got. Yeah, they still listen to the Beatles. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it totally makes sense
2: because even even uh, you can even talk to uh, the younger generation right now, and you will see. For example, uh, the bride to be that's about to get married, she's got everything planned down to a T for the wedding day. But what no happens idea. after? She has no idea. No idea. You know, no, no idea, idea what's going to happen after. And of course, he the groom usually just oh. goes along anyway.
5: <laughs> <laughs> We're still, and, and this has been insidious as you know we've still got this purity culture bullshit in uh, in our culture with women being told uh, you're you're broken you're you're diseased you're bad if you've had sex before marriage and that's of course in the religious communities Mm -hmm. that are out there and and we're not just talking I mean we right now Mm -hmm. on this podcast we're not just talking to secular people we're talking to people who were deeply religious at one time and now they're trying to deal with this stuff Mm -hmm. and how do you that's something we at recovering from religion it is a daily we have people chatting in daily on our chat line Mm -hmm. saying i have become an atheist or i'm an agnostic or i'm leaving the church i'm i still believe in god but i'm leaving the church and my my husband or wife i can't tell my husband or wife and if i do how do i how do i do that and will that destroy my marriage what they're really saying is god won't let me renegotiate this marriage or their yeah. god belief won't let me us renegotiate the marriage cuz the god thing is a non-negotiable mm-hmm. because we got married in a church jesus blessed our marriage we've been having a threesome with jesus since we got married <laughs> and and they can't they they just can't get out of that so <clears throat> nancy i th- in my, in my uh, observation and in, in my uh, experience, it's this God belief that gets in the way of renegotiating many relationships. And even among secular people, because I think the secular people oftentimes bring their God, some of the God ideas into it. But even so, I, I, for example, I was just watching a chat come through on our chat line uh, just this morning from somebody who was born and raised in Indonesia – uh, they live in a Western country now, <clears throat> Th- but their uh, their background was Buddhist and uh, not even strong in that. And One parent was more Christian, the other was more Buddhist, or that's kind of what I got from the chat. And what they were saying sounded just the same kind of restrictions, the same kind of fear of uh, i am failed if I get divorced, i am failed if I have a bad mm-hmm. uh, result in, in this relationship. So it's not just Christians, and it's not just Muslims or Hindus. It's Buddhists as well. It's it's a lot of different things. And even if this person this person is now secular, and they're still dealing with some of this ancient in their in their life history, ancient training they got when they were a child in early childhood Buddhism and early childhood Christianity. Um,
0: with earlier you were talking about how in pop music and um, country music you hear these themes. Mm-hmm. And I, I also see similar themes in like m- movies, especially like children's movies, where it's like you meet your love of your life and you instantly connect. And do you think that this idea that, that you almost have a psychic connection with the love of your life and promotes the idea of like you don't have to like talk about your feelings because they'll just know what you're thinking and that 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 makes it. The feeling – or the idea that you have to talk to your your significant other almost like, oh, I have failed because I have to talk to them.
5: <laughs> you know, you just hit a – that's a big button. <laughs> I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The, the fact that I'm having to talk is triggers the whole failure notion. But that – and that – you're right. That comes out of our pop culture and training we got in church or the training we got mm-hmm. from our parents, culture, whatever – and, and I think it, it does trigger a fear, and, and it triggers an emotional response mm-hmm. that we've been programmed for. Yeah. I, I think you're right. It, we were programmed from the day we were born, practically, to have this notion in our in our um, relationship. Mm-hmm. It it underlies the whole thing. It's like it's like a polluted stream flowing underneath the ground, right where we stand. And sooner or later, the water comes up and and it, and it bites us in the back. I'm really mixing metaphors up. Here. <laughs> yeah.
2: Whatever you do, don't put your cow in front of the plow while you're doing the water thing, and don't make your <laughs> eggs in that basket at the same time.
5: <laughs> thank you, Kevin. I'll oh, try to. I'll try to not do that. Whatever that was.
3: <laughs> oh,
0: well. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Doctor Daryl Ray, and we will definitely have you back to talk about everything we want to talk about because this subject literally has no end
5: i agree like there's no
0: end um so if somebody wants to learn more about what your research and what you um talk about and if they want to because i know you also believe you have a had a podcast that you've done
5: yeah
3: Yeah, um
0: and read your books where can they go to find more
5: well my of course my books are all on uh, amazon but my podcast i did it for 3 years and then i uh, had was fortunate that the Americ the uh, atheist community of austin contacted me and said we'd like to take over your podcast if you're open to it mm-hmm. so i i signed it over to them i can still be a guest anytime or a host anytime i mean and um i don't really run it they run it um It's a great, great relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about a podcast. But anyway, they can hear the secular sexuality podcast every Thursday night. It's live. It's a call in.
3: Oh, nice! Call in
5: and ask all sorts of questions to the hosts. And I'm sure your listeners would like to call in and you know you can ask about (laughs) whatever. And they always end it the way I, I, uh, when we signed the contract to sign my podcast over, I asked them if you'd. They didn't have to do this, but they agreed to it. I please sign off every time. The way I sign off and my my sign off is always, now go out and give yourself a big orgasm or give someone else a big orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> so they continue to sign off and that just makes my heart warm. That's I love awesome. It. But, I, but I do want to uh, – you promised me I could talk about the other things oh, I need to talk about. Yes. Can we do that briefly? I won't yep, take a lot of time. Totally. So we, like I said, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary as Recovering from Religion. And we are delighted and excited about that. As a part of that, we've decided to do a first-time event called an excursion. It will be in the beautiful foothills of North Carolina where we will be bringing together anybody that wants to. You can go to our website, recoveryfromreligion.org, and uh, register. It will be basically a retreat, but we don't like that word since it has those religious overtones. We're calling it a a recovery excursion. Anybody recovering from religion or dealing with the consequences of the dog boy they were raised with can come. We've got beautiful, gorgeous cabins to sleep in. And boy, they're anything but uh, primitive, I'll tell you that. (laughs) And uh, I think we've got enough cabins to hold maybe as many as 100 people. We're going to have four psychotherapists there for the entire weekend in case somebody just needs to sit down and talk to a professional. We're going to have me walking around and giving people nature tours because I'm a mountain climber and hiker. We'll have an astronomer there to talk about. The focus of the re- the excursion is reconnect with your nature because religion disconnects you from your nature. You look at a sunrise and you think, oh, God r- rose that sun. No, the rotation of the earth rose the sun. And you look at your body and say, God made this body and it's shameful and it's all this. No, it's the only body you got. and God didn't make it. Evolution gave it yeah. to you. So we'll be, we'll be helping people just explore that. And you won't have to go to anything you don't want to. It's not church camp. We certainly won't be praying. We certainly won't be singing. Unless you want to bring your guitar and somebody <laughs> can sing along. We don't care. But it's just going to be first time we've ever done this before. We have hundreds, thousands of people that come to our helpline every, every year. And we just thought this might be another opportunity for people to connect mm-hmm. with our volunteers, with our bored with other people dealing with the consequences of leaving religion and that's we're super super excited. So mm-hmm. if you're interested, go and uh, click on the excursion tab at mm-hmm. recoverreligion dot org
0: and and when when it, will that be?
5: It's in September gosh, I'd have to I'd have to go to my calendars It's,
0: september. <laughs> it's in September.
5: <laughs> I should have memorized that by now I said it's I made mean, it's september twenty twenty one twenty two. It's just about a half an hour outside of, of Asheville, Asheville, North Carolina.
4: Fantastic! That's, that it, is absolutely gorgeous country. You can't beat it. Just yeah. so pretty. <laughs> so. Well, we
5: looked. We looked at where a lot of our clients and and members were located, and we found that a lot of them were in the southeast. So it's within Perfect. driving distance of probably a lot of people that that might be interested. Mm-hmm. And I also mentioned the Secular Therapy Project yeah. uh, and, sec- and therapy a lot in this podcast, so I just want to encourage people to go to seculartherapy.org if they need a, th- a good therapist that will not send you back to church and will not yeah. pray for, pray with you. And uh, last and certainly not least, my big Memorial Day party is coming up in my house, which none of you have ever attended. I'm just saying. To
0: be fair, I don't really want to go to the States right now.
5: It's well, kind of
0: terrifying. Uh, <laughs>
5: uh, uh, I have, um, we call this anti-Trump territory. Oh, fantastic. Uh, seven acres in Kansas that are anti-Trump territory. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Mandisa Thomas will be our special guest this, this oh, year.
0: nice.
5: I don't know if you talked to Mandisa, but she's one of my favoriteest and favoriteest and favoriteest of people. <laughs> uh, she will be here, and uh, she will also be speaking at Oasis that Sunday morning as well. I always try to have a special guest. Seth, Seth Andrews has been my special guest in the past, and um, you know, I've had a bunch of other mm. special guests over the years, and it's uh, good, good to have Mendisa this year.
0: Fantastic. But it, it's,
5: uh, it's 21 hours of partying at my house. Nice. Here's the deal. If you consider yourself an atheist, you're really not. <laughs> Muslims have to go to Mecca to be a good Muslim. Atheists have to come to my party to be a full-fledged atheist, <laughs> so... Until you get to my house for one of my parties, you cannot claim that distinction. Well, I and guess you have to go now. Of the <laughs> spaghetti monster, so I can say this kind of stuff with great authority.
0: <laughs> oh, well, oh. if anybody wants to contact you, what is your um, contact information?
5: Uh, they can get a hold of me at recoverfromreligion.org. dot um, org. They can contact me at daryl at recoveringfromreligion org. Fantastic. Um, I'm I'm all over Facebook. If if you friend me, I've got five thousand of my closest friends there, so I don't just <laughs> friend everybody anymore. But you know, if if I've actually met you, I generally will will let you. I'll friend you on Facebook. Fantastic. But if, I you, if you read my books and you come on and say I read your books, you're much more likely to get a friend from me than that. You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of egotistical about that.
0: <laughs> um, and, so before we let you go, we got to yep. get you to say. I am Dr. Daryl Ray, and I took a left at the valley.
5: I am Dr. Daryl Ray, and I took a left at the valley.
0: And that was our amazing guest, Dr. Daryl Ray. That was such a good conversation. Love talking to Daryl.
2: He's such a hoot. I just love the man. I I can't wait to have him back. I know.
0: i just like, can we just keep talking for three hours?
4: (laughs) We totally could. (laughs) I mean, he, he's, a, he's a therapist, and we understand that they're generally great conversationalists, but the man himself is so warm, and yeah. he's just so easy with... It doesn't make a difference what you're talking mm-hmm. about. He's right in there with you. He's just great.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that uh, I, I didn't say during the interview, but I really kind of wanted to add there, is uh, a great line by uh, Robin Williams, the late Robin Williams. He says, It's better to be alone and to be with somebody that makes you feel like you're alone. Yes!
0: Mm-hmm. And That's so true. You look know,
2: some, sometimes you have to really look at the person, and, you know, you give it your best shot. And I'm not saying break up with <laughs> whoever you're with mm. you, you know, but, you know, sometimes you have to really go back and say, okay, you know, this is not where I think we should be or where I want this to mm-hmm. be. And it's okay to be a tad selfish with yourself. You yeah. Know, because re- you have needs too.
1: Exactly. And the um, relationship is... Generally, like it's not just all on one person, yeah.
2: And you're never going to get 100% of everything you want. But if you mm-hmm. can get 80% of everything you want in a relationship mm-hmm. and live with that 20% you don't have, then you know maybe that's really your threshold of where yeah. you want to be, right? And
1: it involves a little bit of that give and take,
2: yeah. And also, and
0: communication people, yes, yeah. communication, communication. You, you also have to remember
2: that you <laughs> cannot change the person, the partner you are with, right? No. So exactly. You shouldn't ask them to change the who they are as well. So it's really, you have to be honest with yourself, honest with them and say, are we a good fit? Yeah. Are we actually a good fit? And you know, let's face it, we are half a chromosome away from bonobo monkeys. Yeah. So uh, it'd be, you know, maybe we should just have orgies all mm. the time I like do.
0: And And you know what? Look into different relationship styles if you've never done it before because yeah. I, the first people I dated, I immediately, like I never, I always knew it was going to end and I just, I never felt okay. Yeah. And then I found polyamory and I'm like, wait, what is this amazing thing? And it, it, that's what my relationship was missing. Because that's what I I am. I'm polyamorous. Yeah, you know, I, I can't not be polyamorous. <laughs>
2: if people doesn't do it for you, think about furniture, right?
0: Exactly. And... <laughs>
4: or get some nice toys.
0: I
2: got that loop of curses. Like, oh god.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I think I think sometimes it's difficult if people feel a certain way and their partner doesn't endorse that or doesn't. Respond to it and you begin to think I'm a failure. There's something the matter with me Mm -hmm. You have to say maybe I have the wrong partner or maybe I have the right partner We're just not approaching it the right way. way. But So many times it's an Mm either-or You know and Mm -hmm. mostly people take anxiety and blame on their own shoulders and it's difficult to move on from there
0: Okay, so If you would like to reach us, you can find us at our Facebook page, which you guys should leave comments and let me know how amazing I did because I need constant reassurance because I am a a deeply, deeply anxious person. Um, You can find our website at www.leftatthevalley.com. Our Twitter is at LATVpodcast. You can send your emails to left at the valley at Outlook.com.
2: Oh, left at, valley oh, at
0: Thank you. Sorry. I can't read. I left read. At, valley at Outlook.com. Um, send your complaints to Nancy, but make sure you duck or a side jump or just get out of the way of the knives that are being thrown. Um, <laughs> give us a five-star review anywhere you can because it really helps people find the show. It helps us feel better, because I mentioned a very insecure person. <laughs> Um, if you would like to hear extra bits of the show that we don't put in, you can um, uh, donate to Patreon and there'll be some goodies there for you. And you can find that at Patreon slash LATV.
2: Oh, great. Now I got to put some goodies in there.
0: Well, yeah, we're going to put the recording we just did. Oh, uh, really? Once, well, yeah, that's what we said. You just created
2: a ton more work for me all of a sudden. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that's what I do. Create uh. work for everyone around me. Coming up. <laughs> It's okay, just teach me how to do it and I'll help.
2: (laughs) Next week, you were supposed to do the whole Patreon thing from the get go anyway.
0: Yeah, but did I mention I'm a deeply flawed human being?
2: (laughs) She
1: also is a, um, what's the word?
0: I don't know if it anyway, fails me
1: now.
2: we'll be talking to Sarah Austin, a transgender woman and YouTuber. After that, we have David Fitzgerald talking to us about Moses. We'll have our friend Anthony Magnabasco giving us another lesson so in
3: excited.
2: Uh, street epistemology. We'll be talking to our new favorite nuclear physicist, Dr. Ben Davis. Whoop, whoop. Andrew Jasko is coming back as well with Red Burks to talk about cults. Ooh. We'll be talking to Hertzie Hertz of the Minnesota Atheists. And our friend Lilith Starr, the Satanist, comes back to talk to us about her book. Lots of stuff coming up. The I'm so excited. Congratulations on taking over the show for now.
4: Thank you. Yeah, great you, job. Yeah, if you it was a fun me. show, Christina. It was great. Thank you. Yeah.
0: I, I had a lot of fun. Lots of nerves. <laughs> I almost had a panic attack this morning. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. You did good. You, you did great. You did amazing. <laughs> yeah, let's do
4: this some more.
1: Hey.
2: Yeah, hey,
0: listeners, did you enjoy being able to actually understand what was
4: being said? Uh,
2: I'm getting i I'm not I'm, I'm feeling attacked here.
4: That's a okay. No, no, we're just re- We're just it renegotiating. Was. Oh god.
2: <laughs> That's it. I leaving. thank you guys.
0: Have a wonderful May the 4th.
2: Until next time. I believe
5: well, I got, I just have to begin with this. Happy Naked Gardening Day. Whoa. Oh, Naked Gardening really? Day. Really? Yeah. Um, you should go on my Facebook page right now and look, you may not want to talk to me after that. <laughs> oh. That's what I'm saying. Oh.
4: No, if we, if we were there, we'd join you.
2: <laughs> You've been on the show the most as a repeat guest. <laughs> it's
4: because we
0: love you. You just, you well, just love that's you.
5: Good. That's good. Let's keep that rate right up here because I, I actually. I wish I could come be on the studio with you guys every time. It's, you're, you're, it's fun. Well,
4: what we need to do then is have a naked studio day. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I'm, I'm there. I'm there. All right. We'll the explain.
4: I, <laughs> I figured, I figured that that would be the motivation for you to come up. <laughs>